Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 62. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he, that Simon, re replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. And Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, <coughs> pardon me, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfilment. The disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That is enough, he replied. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Please leave your Bibles open there at Luke 22. Let's pray as we get into God's Word. Father God, we, we pray that you would guide our time this morning as we hear from your Word. Help us to reflect on the price you paid to redeem us from our guilt and shame. We pray that you would help us to put aside all of the worries and concerns and cares of the past week and the coming week, that we might now sit in your presence and hear what you have to say to us. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. We all have our own sets of temptations. Many things that tempt me probably aren't a temptation to you. We all have our own things that tempt us. Those who have known me for a long time know that I'm somebody who's easily tempted by a packet of salt and vinegar chips. Ever since I've been a teenager, I was, I've had this thing for salt and vinegar chips. If there's a packet in our house, then it won't be there for very long. And even though I know that it's one of the triggers for me having migraines, I'm still so tempted by them that I'll eat them and then deal with the consequences later. For me, this temptation is so strong that if Tamara buys some, I used to tell her to hide them somewhere in the house. That worked for a while until I finally figured out all of her hiding spots. So these days I tell her not to buy them in the first place. It's just too much of a temptation for me to have them in the house. But I know there's some of you that can't even stand being in the same room as an open packet of salt and vinegar chips. Some of you are probably far more tempted by chocolate. Strangely, I'm not tempted by chocolate at all. It's really interesting, isn't it, how we all have different things that tempt us. One person might be tempted by one thing and another by something completely different. The philosopher and uh, Christian apologist G.K. Chesterton once wrote, there are an infinity of angles at which one falls, but only one at which one stands. Or in other words, there are an infinite number of ways at which we can fall into temptation. The list's infinitely long. But there's only one way in which we're able to stand, and that's through a deep dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. As 1 Corinthians 10 says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Because it's much, much easier for us to fall than it is for us to stand. Now, of all of Jesus' disciples, Peter is the one who was probably the most passionate. He certainly was the one who wore all of his emotions on his sleeve. When the disciples saw Jesus walking out there on the water, on the lake, it was Peter who cried out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. At the transfiguration, it was Peter who said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And it was Peter who spoke up as Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, saying, no, you shall never wash my feet. And then when Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me, it was Peter who said, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Peter was really, really on fire for the Lord. And he was the kind of guy who put his heart and soul into everything that he did. And so when Jesus sat there at the Lord's Supper, 
and told him that he was going to deny Jesus three times, I think all of the other disciples were probably completely shocked. They were probably a little bit relieved that he hadn't said it about them, but they were probably also wondering how they were going to be able to stand if Peter, this passionate man Peter, was going to be the one to deny Jesus three times. When Peter heard Jesus give this warning, well, he refused to believe it. He refused to believe that it was something that he would ever do. And he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison or to death. He was absolutely convinced that he would be able to stand. But in verses 35 to 38, we just heard read, Jesus warned his disciples that everything was about to change. Up until now, Jesus had always been with them. Even when he'd sent them out on their own, he was still there. But soon he was going to be taken away from them and they would be scattered. And so when Jesus tells them to sell their cloak and buy a sword in verse 36, he's not telling them to arm themselves for some sort of physical battle. He's using the sword as a symbol of being ready for anything that comes. And he's warning them to get ready to stand firm in the face of what will soon take place. Verses 39 to 46. Jesus and his disciples withdraw to the Mount of Olives. Now, when they get there, Jesus begins to coach his disciples on how they're going to be able to stand when Jesus is taken away from them. He says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then Jesus, well, he moved back about a stone's throw away I'm guessing that's around 30 metres away, something like that, within eyesight anyway. And he began to pray to God the Father. And he was praying that he himself would not fall into temptation. After all, Jesus faced all of the same sort of temptations that we face. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 tells us, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with us in our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are tempted, yet was without sin. In this time of emotional turmoil, as he knew he was about to have to go to the cross, you can imagine how intense the temptation to not go through with it would have been. And so in this moment of temptation, Jesus prayed to God the Father that he, the God the Father, might keep him from this temptation. In that moment of weakness, while Jesus was being strengthened by his Father, he was also encouraging his own disciples to do the same. You can see the agony that Jesus is going through. As he prays to his father, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. While the disciples, they're only a stone's throw away. They were still in eyeshot. They could still see him. They'd now fallen asleep. So Jesus returned to them, probably exhausted 
from all of this emotional prayer to his heavenly father and probably said to them quite sadly, why are you sleeping? Get up so that you will not, and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus knew that he would soon be taken away from them and he wanted them to be able to stand. And so he continues to urge them to find their dependence in the Lord. Verses 47 to 51. Jesus is betrayed by a kiss. We're told in verse 47 that while Jesus was still urging the disciples to pray so that they would not fall into temptation, Judas, the betrayer, one of the 12, arrived and approached Jesus, greeting him with a kiss. Now, this kiss was to signal those who had come to arrest Jesus that this was the one you were to look for. When the rest of the disciples realised what was going on, what was their first reaction? Well, they cried out to Jesus, Lord, should we strike them with our swords? They clearly didn't understand what Jesus had said back in verse 36. And this is an almost comical picture when you think about it. Why would the one whom they'd seen cast out demons, heal the lame and the blind, the one they'd seen raise Lazarus from the dead, why would he need that? them to save him with swords. John's gospel tells us that Peter, being a man of action, was so keen to protect Jesus that he drew his sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. But Jesus quickly called out, no more of this, and healed his ear. Verses 54 to 62. The shepherd is struck and the sheep scatter. As the religious leaders arrested Jesus and began to lead him away, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that all of the other disciples, well, they fled as quick as they could. They were nowhere to be found. The Gospel of Mark tells us that they fled so quickly that one young man who was wearing just a linen garment ran away naked. He fled, losing his garment on the way. There was an incredible urgency to get away before they were arrested as well. Yet while all the other disciples had fled and were nowhere to be seen, Peter, and Peter alone, followed those who had arrested Jesus from a distance. Now, watching from a distance, he saw that some of the household servants had lit a fire. And so he went over and warmed himself by the fire. But as he sat there, one of the servant's girls recognised him and said, this man was with him. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. Then a little while later, Peter continued to watch on from this distance, watch what was going on with Jesus. And someone recognised him again, saying, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then around about an hour later on, a third person said, certainly this man was with him, for he is a Galilean. Now the Gospel of Matthew tells us that it was at this point that Peter began to pour curses down on himself and emphatically declare, I don't know the man. 
And as soon as those words left his lips, the rooster crowed and Jesus looked straight at him. Don't know about you, but I'd love to know the expression on Jesus' face when he looked at him. Was it a look of sorrow, of disappointment, or was it a look of compassion at this man that Jesus loved that had failed, just wanting to restore him? But as soon as those, as soon as Peter saw Jesus look at him, he realised what he'd done and he left that courtyard weeping bitterly. Back in verse 33, Peter was completely certain that he would be able to stand no matter what happened. He was sure that he would be faithful to Jesus even if he had to go to prison, even if he had to die. But as the temptation grew to avoid harm by denying Jesus, Peter found that it was far harder for him to stand than he had thought. He had thought he was able to stand firm in his own strength. But as he was faced with the choice between denying Jesus and saving himself, he chose himself over Jesus. We must not be too hard on Peter. We must remember that all the other disciples were nowhere to be found. These verses are warning all those who follow Jesus that if someone as on fire for the Lord as Peter found it incredibly hard to stand firm in his faith in the face of such persecution, then we too will face times when it is hard for us to hold on to the hope we have in Jesus. In those times when we are being ridiculed by others for what we believe, in those times when doing what honours Jesus will affect our finances, in those times when doing what honours Christ means not doing something that our family or our close friends really want us to do. The verses we're looking at this morning are encouraging those who follow Jesus to do three things. And the first of those is to be humble about our ability to stand. At the Lord's Supper, Jesus warned Peter of the trial that he was about to face, that he would deny Jesus three times. And Peter was incredibly sure that he was going to be able to stand that test. But when the stakes were high and the possibility of being arrested was very real, Peter chose self-preservation over serving and being faithful to Christ. Despite the fact that Peter had a very, very strong faith in the Lord, he fell into temptation because he'd underestimated the cost of following Christ and he'd overestimated his own ability to stand. If we're going to stand firm in our faith with the Lord, when hard times come, when really hard times come, we need to be humble about our ability to stand so that we find our strength in God and not in ourselves. And the second thing these verses are encouraging those who follow Jesus to do is to be gracious to those who stumble. 
Yes, the disciples fled and were nowhere to be found. And even Peter, this passionate man of God, Peter, fell by making the mistake of denying Jesus three times. But even though they fell, it was just for a time. They didn't stay there. Through the mercy of Christ, the Holy Spirit picked them up again and enabled them to stand. It was Peter, this passionate man of God, who came back even stronger in the Lord. In Acts 2, it was him who stood up and preached the word of God, risking it all in front of people from every known people group in the known world. None of us, if we're honest, are able to say that there's never been a time when we have denied Christ, when we've avoided speaking about Jesus. Maybe we've just made a, a simple topic change or maybe we've just avoided answering a question about church or the Bible. Maybe we've done it in a different way with our actions rather than our words, avoiding the things of God, hiding anything that might put us at odds with our friends and family. But despite our inability to stand firm in the Lord in our own strength, because of the mercy of Christ, even though we do stumble at times, his spirit helps us to get back up again and stand firm. So as those who know that we don't always get it right, who know that we do stumble, and yet we're saved by the mercy of Christ. Well, we should continue to be gracious to our brothers and sisters in Christ when they stumble, just as we ourselves have stumbled many times. And then finally, the third thing that these verses are encouraging those who follow the Lord to do is to depend on him for our strength to stand. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus told his disciples to pray so that they would not fall into temptation. But Jesus didn't just tell his disciples to pray. He went off and prayed the same thing for himself. He modelled what he was teaching. In our own strength, we aren't able to stand up to the attacks of the evil one. This is not a battle that we're going to win with swords and clubs or any other kind of earthly weapon. As Ephesians 6 warns us, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We want to be able to stand firm in our walk with the Lord, then we need to recognise what kind of battle that we're actually in. And to be effective in this spiritual battle, we need to take hold of the most important weapon we have available to us, and that is a deep dependence on God. Jesus warned his disciples to pray that they would not fall into temptation because prayer requires us to recognise that God is in control. It requires us to acknowledge that we cannot stand firm in our own strength. And it reminds us where the strength to stand comes from. Verses we're looking at this morning 
remind us that every follower of Jesus, even his closest companions, are susceptible to temptation. And yet, even though we will all fall short of God's glory and seek our own will instead of his at times, because of his mercy, there is a way back for those who stumble. And the way back is the same way that we came to him in the first place. And that is by recognising the good news of Jesus, acknowledging our failures in repentance and then rejoicing in the forgiveness and mercy that Christ achieved when he died in our place on the cross. It is hard to stand firm with so many ways for us to be tempted to fall. The good news of Jesus reminds us that it's not about us being strong. Being a faithful follower of Jesus, being able to stand, is about our dependence on God's ability to enable us to stand. Let's pray that now. Father God, we confess that we have all had times where we have denied you just as Peter did. Maybe we haven't done it in the same sort of words as Peter did. Maybe we've done it with our actions. Maybe we've done it by just simply avoiding the topic. But you know our hearts, Lord. You know our actions. Lord, we confess there have been times when we have had too much confidence in ourselves and our own ability to stand the trials that you know that we will face. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to let go of our pride that wants us to be able to stand firm on our own and to find our confidence and our strength in you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.